Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Monday, June 8th, 2020. And today I'm going to share some concerns that I have regarding the events currently happening in our nation, specifically regarding the brutal murder of George Floyd on May 25th. And as horrible as that crime was, I believe there is an even greater crime unfolding against us right now as Satan and his minions on the earth are using that event to divide our country and bring on, open the door to an even greater destruction, far greater than what we've seen so far, even though we've had riots and demonstrations in all 50 states. And I think a lot of people are looking at it as now we can kind of move on and put that behind us. But I don't think that's where we are, unfortunately. I would like to think so. But there are warnings of greater trouble ahead, and I'm talking about soon. And I'm referring to, for one, the prophetic warning from Pastor Daniel Ayala, who was warned in a dream a few days ago that after the the funeral for this man, America is going to descend into chaos. And others have also seen similar warnings regarding martial law coming to our land. And martial law would not come until the American people are begging for it because it's politically suicide to, to bring on martial law unless the public is pretty close to 100% in calling for it and wanting it. And, you know, that's not going to happen until the American people have seen enough horrible crime in the streets and warfare in the streets that they're begging the federal government to step in and intervene. That's when martial law begins. And so I believe this is far from over, and it is a very serious situation as the enemies of our nation are scheming to take us down and destroy us. And in order for us to fight back, we're going to have to get over our feelings of the wounds that we've incurred in the past, the injustices that have been done, and there have been. Yes, there have been horrible things done, and what was done to George Floyd was horrible. But we have to be thinking ahead because the enemy will use this uh, racial divide to destroy us if we allow him to. And we're well on our way in that direction at the moment. And I want to share with you some evidence of what I'm talking about. And number one is some videos that were secretly recorded by a group called Project Veritas, which you can find at projectveritas.com. But these people went into, secretly went into Antifa meetings as if they were wanting to participate and join the organization, and they secretly videoed uh, what was happening where these Antifa um, members are training one another in how to wage war and inflict physical uh, wounds against the American people with stunts like poking their eyes out and uh, discussing ways to just uh, take people out completely and destroy them. That's literally the uh, language that they're using in the video. There's a couple of videos that they've released on that recently. 
And Antifa is a name that we've come to know and recognize because they've been talked about a lot in the news media. And they are a very violent organization, but I don't believe they are the source of the trouble. I believe they're just a front group because the people that are truly behind this have historically operated through front groups to avoid putting their own name in front of the public. And I'm referring to the Jesuits. And if you've missed my previous programs and you think it sounds crazy to talk about the Jesuits, then I would ask you to please go back and listen to them and listen to the facts of history. But those Antifa videos recorded by Project Veritas are evidence that there is an orchestrated scheme. There are people that are planning and organizing and being funded to take us down. We are truly under attack. And the attack is coming from within our own borders. The second piece of evidence that I want to share with you is the one that's right in front of all of our faces is this onslaught, this media blitz that has just gone on relentlessly ever since May 25th. And what's interesting to me about that is that I was warned by God in several dreams about the news media, that they are not to be trusted, that they are being used to lie to the American people, to manipulate public opinion, and so we have to be on guard because whenever they take up a story as their number one message to bombard the American people, we have to be aware of the fact that there is an agenda, there's a reason why they're doing that. It's not because it's the, the most important event happening in the world, because these kinds of events have happened repeatedly throughout the years. There have been horrible police brutality crimes that have happened against both whites and blacks. And so this particular event has been chosen by someone behind the scenes to make it into a big deal, which we should be paying close attention to because this is an election year. And just because the media is making it the number one issue in our nation doesn't mean that we have to fall for the bait. And isn't it interesting that Project Veritas can't get their videos published anywhere except on their own servers, but yet YouTube has allowed a slew of videos from all different angles showing this George Floyd murder as if that one's been given the green light. We want the American people to see this and be outraged by it, but yet we don't want them to know that there's an orchestrated uh, scheme underway against them. And to put that in perspective, consider that YouTube is banning hundreds, if not thousands, of Christian videos from being posted on their site, claiming that it violates their community standards, including some of my own videos that I've, up, I've uploaded because I dared to make a video explaining that God loves the Jewish people. And YouTube uh, reviewed it and took it down, and then it went through their review process, and they came back and confirmed, uh, yeah, they did the right thing, and uh, that video was, uh, it was a violation, and it had to go. And ever since then, my own YouTube uh, ratings have been suppressed. They won't allow my videos to get views, whereas normally they would appear in the right-hand column where you could attract 
more new viewers. But apparently, I'm too dangerous. And so there's an extreme double standard operating in the major news media organizations today. And the news media will never report to you what I'm about to share with you, which is the hard facts, the findings of research that's been done on the topic of police brutality. And this data that I'm about to share with you, please don't misunderstand because it's not an attempt to minimize the horrible crimes that have been committed because these things have been ongoing for many years. But what happened was, for many years, the only source available for analyzing the, the statistics of police officer fatal shootings of civilians was the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. But in recent years, journalists uh, determined that the data that was being released by the FBI was not sufficient because it, they weren't capturing um, enough information about the events, so they weren't able to get a meaningful um, analysis of the data. And so groups like the Washington Post and the Guardian began to collect their own information with, with the help of FBI data. And so starting in the year 2015, we now have um, data that we're able to analyze and determine um, what's happening um, racially between um, the police officers and the civilians involved in these fatal incidents. And so this particular study that I'm referring to comes from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, which is known as PNAS for short, and their website is pnas.org. And based on their analysis, their conclusion states that we find no evidence of anti-black or anti-Hispanic disparities across shootings, and white officers are not more likely to shoot minority civilians than non-white officers. And so, while our country is divided over this one outrageous incident, the facts show that overall there is no evidence supporting this racial bias of police officers that's now being used to make the most outrageous claims, such as in Minneapolis, where they're claiming that the Minneapolis City Police Department should be defunded, and the majority of the Minneapolis City Council members have already come out siding in favor of defunding the police. And it's just an extremely outrageous way uh, to make decisions based on one hyped-up incident while ignoring the larger body of evidence. And there's a lot more evidence to support the findings of the PNAS. For example, news commentator Candace Owens has done a study of her own and pulled together some very interesting facts, and I want to, I want to let her share that with you because she's done such a great job and she's so articulate in saying it that I couldn't possibly do it better than her. So this is a, about an eight-minute clip from Candace Owens. 
but George Floyd is being uplifted as an amazing human being. Um, and uh, for those of you who have not yet seen the clips and did not pursue or wait for more clips to come out, uh, first and foremost, George Floyd at the time of his arrest was high on fentanyl and he was high on methamphetamine. Uh, this came back in both of his autopsy reports. Uh, if you pursue the 911 transcript, you can see the person describing somebody who is out of their mind high, um, and which is what made the person fearful because he tried to, you know, to uh, use a, a, a bill that I guess was a fake bill to purchase something. And then he was outside acting weird. And they, in their police call, said that this person was obviously distorted and on drugs. Uh, when he is put into handcuffs and is put against the wall, a baggie of what looks to be like uh, cocaine or uh, some it's, it's white it's a white baggie that he drops onto the floor that you can see in an image if you look up the clip the media is refusing to circulate it you can find it on Twitter if you if you use DuckDuckGo and look up um, George Floyd baggie uh, you can watch the clip yourself with your own eyes uh, he had drugs on him at the time of his arrest um, now Barring all of that, nobody thinks that he should have died during this arrest, but what I find despicable to be is that everyone is pretending that this man lived a heroic lifestyle when he didn't, and I want to talk about what his lifestyle was um, leading up to this moment and why I refuse to accept the narrative that this person is is a martyr or, or should be lifted up in the black community and that we should be buying t-shirts uh, with his name on it, okay? So here we have, first and foremost, let's start from the bottom of his record. And by the way, I am not saying that if you have a record, you don't deserve a second chance. I think people get arrested um, and some people can serve time in prison. And I believe in second chances, but I do draw the line when it comes to uh, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and ninth chances. 1998, he spent uh, 10 months in prison for theft with a firearm. Uh, that was the first prison stint that I could find on him. In 2002, he spent eight months in prison for a cocaine offense. In 2004, just two years later, he spent another 10 months in prison for a cocaine offense. In 2005, he spent another 10 months in prison for having um, less than one gram of cocaine on him again. Um, in 2007, and this was the biggest instant um, uh, that I had that made me realize this was a horrible human being that I, would, I, I am not going to pretend was a good person. In 2005, a woman who was pregnant uh, received a knock at the door um, and she went to the door and the person pretended to be someone that worked um, for the water department. So she opened her door and quickly realized that the person at her door did not work for the water department and attempted to slam it. Um, at the moment that she was attempting to slam it, a Ford pulled up and another five men jumped out of the car and one of which was George Floyd came up to the door and they forced their way inside to her home, uh, inside of her home. Um, mind you, this woman is pregnant. At that point, uh, George Floyd took out a gun and pressed it to her stomach. Um, uh, she was screaming, begging for her life and, uh, and he put her inside of her living room and instructed one of his criminal friends that was with him uh, to watch her and to make sure she didn't leave the living room. So he was playing guard while they ransacked her home looking for drugs and money. They did not find um, drugs. They ended up taking, I believe, her wallet and her cell phone. Fortunately for her, her neighbor um, observed what was going on and caught the license plate of the people as they pulled off and called 911. And when 911 was able to, um, they were able to track down the car uh, of which uh, George Floyd was the driver. Um, and they arrested him. And two years later, he was sentenced to five years in prison um, for that instance. Um, now, 
you can say uh, the media is portraying it like he was just getting his life together after you know being released in 2014 following that incident. Uh, he was just getting his life together and, and moved and was going to start afresh. I'd like to believe all of those things and there's a gap and he never got in trouble for five years until this incident when the police were called on him again. Um, uh, but you are defying common sense to believe that this person suddenly became an exemplary character but happened to be high on fentanyl and methamphetamine um, and, and trying to use a bill, um, a fake bill to purchase something. And so in my opinion, uh, George Floyd was a criminal. <laughs> he was a criminal and just because he was a criminal doesn't mean he deserved to die at the knee of a police officer but it does mean that i am not going to play a part of the broken black culture that always wants to martyr criminals who wants to pretend they were these upstanding human beings that just wanted to help society uh that just wanted to reach out um and, and uplift society and we're, he has a rap sheet that is long that is dangerous he was an example of a violent criminal his entire life okay up until the very last moment. Now, again, I want to be clear, this is not a defense for Derek Chauvin. No one in that I have spoken to, no one in the news is defending Derek Chauvin. He is getting what he has coming to him. Okay, great. But why are we pretending that this criminal should be upheld as a citizen, uh, a, 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 of a, as a martyr in black America? A martyr for a fake narrative, by the way. Police brutality, racially motivated police brutality is a myth. Okay, so let's get into that. Not only are we using this death, right, and allowing it to cause these riots and protests, pretending this was some upstanding citizen in the black community who was tackled down um, and, and killed for no reason, right? Not only are we allowing it to inspire riots, riots in which black people are dying, in which actual upstanding black citizens are dying. Case in point, I'm sure you guys have all now seen uh, David, uh, the, the sheriff that just was shot and killed uh, because he was trying to protect uh, a a pawn shop please look him up if you haven't seen it i'm blanking on his last name his first name is david um who was shot and killed for trying to protect a pawn shop from looters an upstanding citizen an actual head of a police he was the head of a police his entire life 77 years old did everything right right so we now have to kill upstanding black citizens because a non-upstanding black citizen a career black criminal died now did he deserve to die in that manner no I can't say it enough. No, he didn't deserve to die in that manner. But I will be damned if the rest of us upstanding black citizens have to suffer because of this incident that rarely ever happens in America. So here are some numbers for you people that are still believing that police brutality is a real, racially motivated police brutality is a real thing. First and foremost, okay, you have a 25% higher chance as a violent white criminal of dying at the hands of a police officer than you do as a black criminal. Last year, a total of nine unarmed black black men were killed by police officers and 19 white men were killed by police officers. For those of you that aren't good at mathematics, right, you might be thinking, oh, but Candace, white people represent 60% of the population and black people represent just 13% of the population. It doesn't matter what percentage of the population you represent, it matters what percentage of the violent criminal community you represent. And unfortunately, black community create uh, um, commits a disproportionate amount of crimes compared to the white community. Let me tell you, 6% of the population, right, black men, 6% of the population account for 44% of all murders in this country, according to 2018 statistics. 
That is what you call a gap. And yet white people, white people who represent 60% of the population, we represent 13, uh, black men are 6%, uh, only represent 50% of all the murders, right? That makes no sense. That, that makes no sense. A six point variation in a community where we are, we are extreme minorities. We commit 50% of all violent offenses, evenly split, and we're only 13% of the population, okay? So we have a lot more encounters with police officers. And don't say the police officers are coming around because we're black. I'm talking about violent criminals. I'm talking about murder, 44% of murders, okay? You wanna talk about real statistics? The, the, the police officers have way more to be fearful of in the black community than the other way around, okay? We commit, on average, a, a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black person than the other way around, okay? So this entire narrative is complete smoke and mirrors. It's all made up, it's just election fodder. It's white versus black because it's an election year, not because black Americans are suffering at the hands of police officers more than white Americans. And so contrary to the media reports, contrary to the horrors of this crime committed against George Floyd, that is not typical, that is not representative of the local police forces across our country because all the available data proves it. But I have other questions about these events too that cause me to be suspicious, to smell a rat operating in our land. For example, Ben Crump, who's been named as the attorney representing the family of George Floyd, is now calling on the United Nations to take action in this case. What? What in the world? Calling on the United Nations is evidence of a globalist agenda at work. The United Nations has no legal authority in the United States of America. And so I look at that as just Satan is overplaying his hand because it's ridiculous. It's over the top. It's out of bounds. And we need to call their bluff on it. It's absurd. We have our own process for dealing with these things, and the United Nations has no business being part of it. And so it's so disturbing to see not only the demonstrations and the riots, but these outrageous responses that people are calling for the, the most horrible uh, actions, defunding the police. Um, Black Lives Matter is calling to defund the police. Another group called M4BL, which is Movement for Black Lives, they want to abolish prisons abolish all police and all other institutions that inflict violence on black people must be abolished. And if no one was taking them seriously, that would be one thing. But unfortunately, that's not the case. As I mentioned, the city council in Minneapolis is all on board with this, and they're now looking at ways to implement that scheme. But just to put it all in perspective, just zoom out and look at the big picture for a moment. Because our forefathers came to this country seeking refuge from the tyranny of monarchical rulers, kings and queens who were ruling over them as tyrants. And so they came to America with a vision 
to establish a nation that would have a limited federal government and sovereign states who would decide their own affairs. And they purposely separated the powers of the federal government so that no one man could control, uh, could have so much power that he could begin to act as a tyrant. And so we've survived all these many years because of this system of government in place that has uh, given power to the people and power to the local municipalities and the states. But now today, we can hardly recognize that original vision because our federal government has just grown increasingly more powerful to where we've just about come full circle to where we used to be back in Europe with the old kings and queens. But yet we have this one last obstacle in the path of this super powerful federal government, and that is a well-armed local police force that cares about the local people. And so that's what I believe this whole George Floyd incident is all about. It's one of the final phases of their plan to strip the people of all power so that we are completely defenseless against this all-powerful federal government. I believe they have a two-step goal in mind. First, weaken by defunding the local police departments, and secondly, launch a nationwide campaign to confiscate guns from the American people. And that's something I saw in a dream a few years ago. A campaign was being led by a blonde-haired woman. And history shows that this is a pattern repeated by the Jesuits wherever they've gone because they like it to be centralized because that way they can control it from one control point. And that's why the monarchies were okay with the Jesuits. And after the monarchies went by the wayside, they raised up a similar form of government, but it was called fascism and dictatorships and communism, all of which centralize all the power into one point, because that's the way they like it. But what they don't like and what they claim to be satanic is a constitutional republic that empowers the people because it's virtually impossible for them to get control over that. And they are right now using this same strategy of centralizing the control of our corporations and our businesses across America. And that's the whole purpose that they have in mind for taking down our economy as they've done already with the stock market dropping sharply in March. And we're not done yet. There's more ahead. We haven't begun to see all that they have planned for the economy, but their goal is the total destruction of private businesses so that all power is centralized So their goal is to render the American people powerless and totally dependent upon a large central government and large corporations where we have no say-so whatsoever in what they decide to do to us. And so I believe that this whole George Floyd incident is part of that scheme. 
It's just another step along the way, and it has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with dividing and conquering our nation. And I know some Americans are determined to fight back and take up their weapons and say, come on, come and get me, and you'll be sorry, and all that, but they don't know what they're dealing with because the technology that our government possesses is so far beyond any weapons that we have that it's a hopeless fight. It's over before it even starts. We're going to need bigger weapons than that. We're going to need the same weapons the leaders of the Protestant Reformation used. They stood firm and overcame the most incredible odds standing against the greatest political power, the greatest religious powers, the greatest military powers of their day by simply boldly declaring the Word of God, the promises of God, their faith in God, without compromising in any level, in any detail. And they turned their whole world right side up for as long as they were willing to stand firm. And we have the same weapons available to us today. We have the greater power on our side. We might be outnumbered a thousand to one. It doesn't matter. You know, I don't care if it looks like the whole nation is coming apart at the seams. Whatever it looks like doesn't matter because it's not based on what it looks like. It's based on what God says. And if we just take what he says and believe it and stand on it, then we can possess it. Okay, I think that's a pretty good place to uh, stop for today. I appreciate you joining me, and I hope to be back with another program tomorrow. 